Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, Alex and I are going to talk about the three lessons that we would teach our kids. It, uh, our, our teaching our kids. Well, our teaching our kids. That's a solid point. <laughs> it, it, it stemmed from, and we're going to talk about it today because it stemmed from um, Morgan Housel uh, has, has his own podcast, by the way. And, and if you are not listening to his podcast, definitely check that out. Um, but he had a, an episode where he talked about a letter that he wrote his children when they were born and he had like 10 different money, uh, lessons that he wanted to make sure that they understood. We're not going to go through 10 because I, I don't, you know, we don't normally record that long of, of an episode, but it'd be interesting to see what Alex would teach his children versus what I would teach my children. And I think it's more going to be philosophy type lessons. I think more than anything is my guess. I don't know what Alex actually said, but we'll, we'll find out here shortly. Um, but before we dive into it, Alex, what uh, what are we drinking today? Uh, so today we are drinking Beautification. It's a Russian River beer. Uh, it clocks in at 6% and it has a, uh, a whopping 16 IBUs. Um, so this is, it's a spontaneously fermented beer aged in wine barrels. Um, so this is, it's, uh, it's been aged for, from between nine to 36 months. Um, it's, uh, it's in the, the same like style where it's got the, the wine cork, uh, you know, cap. Um, so this is, I'm expecting this to be a, a little bit of a, like kind of similar to like some of their other sours that they put in these types of bottles with this type of cap. Mm, my favorite. I can't wait for you to try your sour. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I can definitely smell it already. Um, but, uh, you know, it's got a nice clear, uh, crisp color here. Mm, that is very refreshing. This is, this is a delicious beer. Um, it is, it's a departure from what, what we normally drink. It is a little bit of a sour. Um, so it's got that, uh, that sour hint to it. Um, it's got some citrus nodes in it and it's, it's just, it's clean and refreshing, um, it, it is, if you're looking for a beer, this is not what you're looking for. If you're looking for something different, check this out. So today's episode is now called sour and money. <laughs> what, what's your bottle cap rating of it, Alex? Like, you know, me and sours, I'm not the biggest fan. Sure. Uh, I really like this. I think this is a, a great hit. I, I'm going to give this a nine, nine out of 10. That's a big one for, for Mr. Collins. I'm going to throw out a quick survey to our, our listeners. I would love for everyone to go to beerandmoney.net and at the top of the page, there's a contact us. I want to hear how many of you actually like sours. And I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't. I'm just genuinely interested in how many people like sours. So uh, that that's our question today, Alex. Sorry, I already beat everyone to the punch today. Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> a better question might be how many people have tried sours. And liked it. <laughs> so and while you're there if there's anything else that you want ryan and i to like review or test or or taste or whatever on the show like we're happy to go ahead and take recommendations from you guys yeah absolutely or if you're on social media make a post and tag us on it like i'd love to love to see that so all right alex let's dive into that here so I, I am very curious to see what differences, uh, if any, I, I think we might have similars, similarities. I can also see us not maybe having similarities because you do have the analytic brain versus versus me. Um, but let's kind of dive into this. So 
you know, with Sienna, what are the three lessons that you're really trying to ingrain in her from a standpoint of understanding money? Sure. So the first thing that I want to ingrain is a deep sense of the value of money. And there's kind of two components that I'm looking at for for this. And the first is what it takes to earn money. So like understanding like how easy it is to obtain or how hard it is to obtain, what you have to give up to obtain money. Um, so like it, trying to install that work ethic um, and a good understanding of like, okay, n- no, you can't just ask for things at the store. Like I want you to understand what you're asking for when something is $10, $20, whatever it, it is. The, the second component to understanding the value of money is spending wisely. And this is like kind of the topic that you and I have discussed quite a bit here of spend money on the things that bring value to you. Like what are the things that you love? And as long as you love it, great, do that. Whether it's cars or trips or travel or house or eating out, what entertainment, whatever it is, spend money on the things that you love don't spend money on things that are fleeting or that you like you're doing because somebody else told you to do it, not because you you love it or you want to do it. it so that's number one. Okay, gotcha. Number two is understanding money as a tool. Money is a means to an end. It is not the end itself. So again, this is somewhat similar, but it, like I'd put this in a little bit different context, and it's it's really understanding like that that we shouldn't we shouldn't fear money, we shouldn't uh, love money. Money is a tool, and the only thing like the reason to to accumulate it is to be able to reach our goals, and our goals should never be money driven. Um, now. It's maybe weird for a financial advisor to say that, um, but again, so much of this goes back to values and like, okay, what are we truly trying to accomplish with this? And making sure that uh, when we when we uh, when we're looking at what we're what we want money to do for us, it's never about the money itself. It's about what it can do for us and how it can provide safety, security entertainment, whatever, all of the things that we want money to do for us are. Gotcha. And the the third one is where I went analytic. um, And that is like an understanding of the central money or the central concept around financial planning. And that is the time value of money. So if I can help her help Sienna understand the time value of money, that is going to save her from so many pitfalls that that I fell into, that clients have fallen into, that just people in general fall into. Um, I mean, thankfully, I haven't fallen into too many of them. Uh, a lot of that is is. You know, so let me, if you don't mind me interrupting you real quick, and this isn't the the point of today's episode, but I, I think it does uh, merit a quick conversation. Time value of money. I think people have heard of it. I don't, I'm not sure that everyone truly understands or grasps it. I mean, you even said it in <laughs> that your your explanation of it. So let's talk into, and I'm talking briefly here, Alex. Like, let's not go Alex Collins <laughs> analytic here. Like, let's talk about time value money. So, yeah, 
define it. And then I'd love to hear your example of how you fell into that trap. Uh, sure. So time value of money is, is really assigning the highest and best use to money. Um, this is typically done in the form of an interest rate or a rate of return. Um, and so what it is, is it's a way to compare dollars today with dollars in the future. Okay. And so we do this with like inflation. Um, so we could, we're measuring purchasing power. Uh, we do it with um, like what it, it helps us define what we're giving up when we intentionally save money to, for our future selves, whether that is saving for college for our kids, saving for retirement, uh, mortgage decisions, debt decisions. It's a cash flow decision, right? Like, uh, oh, absolutely. Like a common one that we talk into with our clients all the time, because this is a top question: is okay, where should I be putting my money? And and the top question that we get is okay, should should I overpay on my mortgage, or should I invest the money? Right. So that's when that time value money calculation comes into play. And to your point, not many people actually do that calculation. They just like, oh, I hate debt, or I want to invest. Like whichever direction their mind is, that's where they go. Yeah. Uh, the second half of that question is you asked me where I yep. fell into that, that pit. Um, and there's, there's really kind of two examples that I can think of. Um, the first is when I was a teenager um, and it, it had to do with the money lessons that I'd learned from my parents. Uh, my, my parents deficit spent for decades. Um, and my dad was really, really, really talented at juggling debt and having one-time things save him from uh, from debt. And so I learned at an early age that debt is totally fine and it allows us to buy things that we need or want without having the money to buy the things that we need or want. Right. Uh, and so when I was, when I first got married, I had like $6,000 worth of credit card debt. And my wife grew up in a uh, uh, in a family where debt was not something that you dealt with. Like gotcha. You did not have debt, especially consumer debt, like credit card debt. Um, and so it was a rough first, like six months to a year. Um, as like, she came to grips with like the fact that I was bringing six K worth of credit card debt to, to the marriage. Um, and like to her point, or to, to in, in her favor, she helped me quickly identify why this was bad, helped me understand that like this is not how she was accustomed to doing things and that we weren't going to be in debt. <laughs> um, and then we, we had a discussion around good debt versus bad debt and, and things yeah. of that nature. Um, so like going and getting education loans, that's good debt because you're increasing your your income, you're increasing your marketability, uh, you're improving your your lifestyle and things of that nature. Uh, buying a house. It's virtually impossible these days to buy a house without a mortgage, at least initially. Um, and so like, that's again, good, good debt most of the time. Um, and so like, there's a difference between good debt and bad debt, but that our goal was to never, never be in bad debt or consumer debt. Um, and it, it took us, well, it took me, um, with a bunch of help from her about eight months to go ahead and dig myself out of that hole but we haven't had credit card debt ever since. Right. Gotcha. So that was, the, that was the first one. 
Um, and then the second one that I regret a little bit was there were, there were maybe about four or five years there where um, we prioritized other things instead of funding uh, like Roths and things of that nature, which we now can't go back and fund and at least not fund anywhere as easily now as we could have then. Um, so I wish I wish I would have taken just a, a little bit less lifestyle when I was still eligible and able to make contributions directly to a Roth. And there's such a there's such a fine line there, Alex, right? Like looking back, it's always like hindsight's 2020, but the same token, and I'm not suggesting that this is the case for you, but I think this is life where we can say, oh man, I wish I didn't do X because I could have funded a Roth. Now the 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 line that I think is hard to to really grasp is living today because tomorrow's not promised right versus making sure we're saving up for and I'm putting using quotation marks for those of you who are listening re retirement right and you know there are trips that I took as a younger uh younger man I'm not sure I'm a man anymore but you know younger man um my wife will tell you differently maybe um that I don't regret and I could have put that money in a Roth but I don't regret that experience at all and the light, the lifespan from a from a money standpoint, normally, as we age and grow in our career, we start to make more and more money. Later on in our life, we can hopefully save more money to almost recoup what we could have saved early on. Oh, for sure. It's <laughs> it's mostly just like there's some silly, frivolous stuff that that like right I did. It was there were wants, not needs, um, and like. Um, not that travel is necessarily a need, uh, but it, it, I, that's not, it's not travel and trips and experiences. It's more like, oh, Hey, I, you know, wanted this thing. Um, and then like, after I got the thing, it was like, oh, this isn't actually that great. Or like, I spent a bunch of time with whatever the thing was. And like, I looked back on it and I was like, wow, I really wish I would have just gone camping with my wife instead of spending whatever how many however many hours i've spent playing xbox yeah yeah so you know it's interesting about your three uh i think two of our three are pretty much the same right and so like my first one is and i'm just gonna start with an example because i think it does it, it essentially is your number one and it was it was going to be kind of like a note to my kid and say look you're going to see a nice car or you're going to see a nice watch that you're going to be like, oh, that looks really cool. I want one of those. And you might go get it. And the reason you might go get it is because you think you're going to look cool. And I promise you, if you're buying something because you think you might look cool, I hate to break it to you. No one's paying attention to you that much. Right, like when you see the Ferrari driving down the road, do you remember who's driving the Ferrari? The answer is no. <laughs> you might so remember the car. You remember the car. So the point of that is, is and this is going to learn, you know, understand what you value. Spend your money on what you value. Now, if you love cars, fine, go buy the Ferrari. Well, it, yeah, the one counter as long as it's affordability there, there, right? But right. yeah. So one of my neighbors growing up had an old like 1950s MG 
And so like that was something that I associated with that neighbor and it was part of who they were. Um, but like, I don't know how many Teslas or Ferraris or Lamborghinis or like Bentleys or whatever I've seen. Like I never paid any attention to who the driver was. Right. So I think once you, if you truly, and this takes time, it doesn't happen. Like we state, like, you know, we've had, a, we've recorded a podcast on this very topic, like understand what you value to spend. It's not like tomorrow you wake up and you go, this is what I value. And I can cut all my expenditures on everything else. Like that doesn't happen. It actually takes time and you have to think about it. Right. So, but once you get to that point where you really understand like what it is, like life means to you, like it changes dramatically. So that's number one. Number two, and this is something that you said too, and like, it's funny, this is almost in the exact order. I promise you guys, like we did not like plan this. This is literally ad hoc. We, we actually intentionally avoided talking about this so yeah. that this would be more of a natural conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I said money is not something you chase, right? Like there's, there's a line I heard the other day where it says, you know, money won't make you happy but it sure helps with everything else. Yeah. Right. So don't chase money for happiness. Right. And it kind of ties into the value, but understand the importance of money and understand what lifestyle you want, which also ties into what you value. So that was number two. And then number three for me is talk to your spouse about money. Like, I can't stress this point enough. We hear it from clients all the time where we're having conversations and we find out like one spouse thinks one way and another spouse thinks another way. And all of a sudden they're like, this aha moment comes together and now they're on the same page where they weren't before or different backgrounds, right? Like one person was the spender. One person is the, the saver. And if you don't talk about like money and your background and your thoughts and your feelings about it, it's very hard to get on the same page. And while it's, I mean, it probably sucks early on. It's not fun to talk about money oftentimes, but when you do talk about it, even if, even if it starts a fight early on, cause it might, let's just call it what it is. It might start a fight early on. It's going to save you so much long-term. Well, both you and I have had this experience. We've had clients say, thank you. You saved my marriage. Yep. And like it. And we didn't even know they're going through that type of thing. (laughs) Right. And and, in, in both circumstances, neither of us knew that like it was something where it needed saving or anything of that nature. Um, but it was just bringing conversations out into the open that needed to be had and helped mediate is the wrong term, but helped folks understand where the other one was coming from. Yeah. So like, I mean, the example that I gave a few minutes ago of like how I came into, to my marriage with debt. And that was something that like my wife just didn't like, she, like I told her what the debt was and her face just went white because it was more money than she'd ever thought of at that point. And she's like, oh my God, this is going to take us so long to get out from under. And we were out from under it in less than a year. Um, Like, not that either of us were making a ton of money back then. 
but it was just, it was something that we were able to go ahead and get out from under really relatively quickly. Um, and that actually like helped both of us incredibly. It, it helped change some of like my spending habits and how I viewed money. Um, but it also helped her under, <laughs> excuse me, helped her understand like how, how upwardly mobile we were in terms of like what we could do with our finance <laughs> finances. <clears throat> and <clears throat> like most of the time that the spender gets blamed for a bunch of stuff, but at the same time, like without the spender, like somewhat trying to help find that equilibrium, you're not going to do the things like you're not going to have some of the trips and the experiences and things of that nature. Um, you're not going to, um, you know, go buy, the house that might feel a little bit out of reach. Um, and so ultimately finding that happy balance between the two is really the best, best way to accomplish it. Um, so that everyone is a little bit out of their comfort range and you get to the point where it becomes the new normal and the new comfortable. Um, and you know, then like everyone's better off as a result of it. Yeah. And what I would, would, just maybe finalize the the point about talking with your spouse about money. Obviously you should understand like their feelings about money, maybe their experiences about money, but more, maybe more importantly is what is it that you two that, that you value? What experiences do you want to have? What lifestyle do you want to have? What, what Legacy might be something that's not important today, but what is it you want your children to remember and experience? Like those types of conversations, you can always tie back to, and 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 in a relationship, you should be accountability type of partner. So you know, there, there's times, you know, I always tell the story of how I almost drove off the lot with a brand new Porsche, and I'm not even a car person. And luckily, my wife called me out and said, "What's the purpose of that?" Right. And I try to twist it, by the way. Like, I try to be like, well, let me tell you a story. Like, I'm like, like <laughs> kind of twist her arm and really kind of sell it to her. Like, let me show you what this poor. And in the end, it it was it was pointless, right? Like, me taking on that car payment or paying for it in cash, like, th that was dumb because I would rather take my family to Hawaii. Right. Right? So. I, have I ever shared with you the story about uh, me and uh, a Porsche? Yeah, you, I think you tell the story every time I bring up the Porsche. No, okay. <laughs> Fair. So, <clears throat> so I I just thought we I think it's a great <clears throat> you know we tend to work with people that are married right and so it's it's important that both people are are on the same page and if you can tie everything in that we just talked about especially this is for your children right to have them understand more communication you've got about this stuff and you're talking about learning what you value and understanding that money like this is the this is the talking points mm -hmm. it's huge well and these aren't these aren't necessarily easy conversations and they aren't necessarily fun conversations however the longer that this stuff goes hidden in the dark the bigger the problem becomes and the worse the challenge winds up being and so the, the quicker that you can get on the same page, the better off everyone's going to be. Now you can't just like spring the conversation on your spouse. So like, please don't like listen to this, go home and go, Hey hun, we need to talk about money. Cause that's, that's not, 
that that could wind up being backfiring big. Time. But it might be a good idea to say, "Hey, hon, I just listened to this podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, and have her listen to this. Maybe that would be a, a great segue, right? Or have him listen to it, whatever. The yeah, case may yeah, be. absolutely. So, well, Alex, like, I'm actually I'm really kind of surprised that like two of the three we were pretty much dead on, um, and at the same t- token, I'm not because. I guess if you really look at it and our listeners are probably like, why wouldn't you have the same three if your partners and you're talking to your clients about financial planning, you know? So, um, I appreciate this. This, this was, this was good. Well, and the, the third one that each of us had, like they speak to who you and I are as people. Like yep. mine was super analytic. Yours was going deep on a relationship. Like that's just who we are. So, yep. and like, Hopefully that helps share with you guys, the listeners, that if you want to reach out and have a conversation with us, you're able to figure out which one of the two of us you should have the conversation <laughs> with. Because there's definitely clients that that like come talk to me and I'm like, oh, you should really be talking to Ryan. <laughs> and there's definitely clients that Ryan brings on. He's like, yeah, we're going to bring Alex into this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, as always, we, we hope this episode is about valuable for you. We gave you the the beer and money question of the day. Head over to beerandmoney.net and we'd love to hear your responses on the sours, whether or not you've tried it and whether or not you liked it. And as always, if you've got value out of this, share this. Like the whole reason we started this this podcast is is for you all to help make better financial decisions so that you can live the life that you want. So as always, we hope this episode was that valuable. And Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are your own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities Number FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 1531912. CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699. CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint Number 2023 155979. Expiration May 2025.